Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. listening to Pineapple Radio on Full Service Radio, broadcasting from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan in Washington, D.C. I'm one of your hosts, Atara. And I'm your other host, Ariel. And we're the founders of Pineapple Collaborative, a community of over 100,000 women who love food across the country. Uh, we have events now in four cities, Washington, D.C., New York City, Bay Area, and Los Angeles. We write a ton of digital content. We send out a weekly newsletter that we hope you're getting in your inbox. You can sign up on our website if you don't already get it. And then we're very active on social media. So hit us up on Instagram at at Pineapple Collaborative. And last but not least, we have this podcast, Pineapple Radio. Uh, We've done now over 30 episodes, which is really exciting. And we're so thrilled to have our guest in the studio today. Her name is uh, Najmie Batmanglij, and she is a woman who we pine for the most. Uh, she's been a huge inspiration to us for so many years, and we can't wait to introduce you to her and you get to know her well as well. Hi, Najmie. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me, darling girls. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to check back in with Najmie in just a minute. Before we do... Ariel and I like to check in with each other to uh, discuss all of the things that we pine for or have been paying attention to in the world of women in food, specifically in our kitchens and pantries. And we like to pick our favorites together on air. Uh, so with that, Ariel, what kind of pantry items have you been pining for lately? Yeah, well, very much in the spirit of this episode, I pine for Najmi's Advie mix. Uh, or Advia Spice Mix, I should say. And it is a wonderful combination of rose petals, cardamom, cumin, and cinnamon. And it is used in recipes throughout her cookbooks. And uh, love it. It's an addition to my now cooking repertoire that I am so grateful for. You know that uh, every region of Iran, they have their own Advia. So I came up with this Advia you that you can use for every Persian dishes. And then if you wanted to add a little bit of spice, you put a little bit red pepper flakes. If you want to add something that you really like, you can add it to it. But this is the basics, my favorite, the aroma of rose petal and cardamom and cinnamon combination is heavenly. Truly is. And if you want to get some yourself, you can do so at najmie.com. That's N A J M I E.com. Or Amazon also. Or Amazon. Here we go. But that's my pick. Atara, awesome. what about you? I have been uh, for probably the past two years now making the same smoothie every morning. Um, and it's just a habit, but it's the way that I like to start my day. It's a little bit unusual, but I put tahini in my smoothies. Uh, so it's tahini, arugula, dates, almond milk, a little bit of cinnamon. Uh, that's it. And it's this, delicious. Do you know that uh, by the Persian Gulf, every region, 
in Persian Gulf. They have this artisanal workshop. They make their own tahini from scratch. First of all, there are a lot of sesame seeds in that region. And they toast the sesame. First of all, they soak the sesame in salted water oh. in 48 hours. Then they separate the skins from the sesame. Mm. Then they have beautiful oven. They toast the sesame. Then they go to another machine. They, they crush them. So that is what tahini is. It's crushed sesame. And so it's wonderful for you. It has a lot of nutrition property. And then when they mix these sesame seeds with date juice, they make it halva. Mm -hmm. Or they mix it with honey. Or they make their own syrup. Every artisanal workshop had different kind of halva. Uh, That was one of the things I love it. And they add pistachio, almond, in the halva and they some spices usually cardamom and cinnamon is one of the ingredients of halva and a piece of this halva with the over the flatbread with a nice uh, bowl of coffee or glass of tea that's oh, heavenly yum. <laughs> that sounds absolutely delicious and i actually didn't know that sesame seeds were soaked in salt water but I that's imagine that way. really... That's what they have to do that in order the, the, the tiny little skin separates. To break it down. Uh, yeah, yeah, break it down. Right, from the, Delicious. The, so I, that was one of my adventures. And that was one of my discovery when I went to Iran. I didn't know Iran and they use so much sesame. Actually, in northern Iran, in a small village they call Masule, which I have the picture in the book, uh, they make about 20 kind of cookies with sesame, which I was fascinated. That's for my next trip. I want to record the recipe of all those cookies, the delicious cookie that they made it with sesame. Mm. Delicious. Well, I certainly grew, grew up eating a lot of tahini and chava. And, you know, I love the, that a seed like sesame can be applied in a savory or a sweet way. It's so multi-purpose and That's delicious. True. Um, to sprinkle it in anything, yeah. toasted sesame, mm. and bring the best flavor Absolutely. of the dish. Well, tahini, to bring it all back, is definitely my pantry staple. Um, I love sum tahini, seed and mill, uh, or even just like the Whole Foods 365 tahini is good by me. Uh, but and with in that, the book, in the book, actually, I give you a recipe how to make yeah. tahini. Mm, great. Uh, how to make ta- uh, halva with tahini. Delicious. Well, I think that's a great segue to uh, jumping in and introducing Najmiye, who she is. Uh, so, Ariel, do you want to take it away? Yeah. Uh, you're probably wondering, how does Najmiye know so much about uh, <laughs> Persian cuisine and all the various regions of Iran? And that is because she is the... <laughs> I've been cooking in the kitchen for the last 40 years. Yes. Testing, retesting, taking pictures... Uh, the, uh, test again, writing the recipe, developing recipe, simplifying the recipes. That's all a lot. It need a lot of work and and practice. Yes, she is a full 
on Persian food expert. She is, you know, I'm going to read your bio because I want to get it all right for our audience to get to know you. Uh, So she is an Iranian-American chef and award-winning cookbook author. The Washington Post has hailed her the grand dame of Iranian cooking. She's spent the past 40 years, as she said, cooking, traveling, and adapting authentic Persian recipes to tastes and techniques in the West. Mm. Her Food of Life book was called The Definitive Book on Iranian Cooking by the Los Angeles Times. We're so lucky that she's based here in Mm. Washington, D.C. She's paved the way for communities like Pineapple, having been a member of Le Dame de Scoffier here in D.C. for over 20 years. And she... Uh, we first got to know her uh, through a cooking class in her home here, and it was an experience that transported us uh, to Iran as if we had were there with her through the um, whole experience, the sights, the smells, and of course the tastes and the community that she built around her kitchen and around her recipes. Um, it's not just here in D.C., it's really across the country and all over the world. Uh, Actually, all over the world because uh, we have uh, Iranian diaspora after revolution all over the world. And I received email from every region. I'm so... And they love food of life. I hope they would love food cooking in Iran as well. <laughs> and so she just came out last fall with her newest cookbook, um, which is called Cooking in Iran, Regional Recipes and Kitchen Secrets. And it is a tome. 728 pages. Amazing. <laughs> Full of not just recipes, but also beautiful photography and you know years of research that you have compiled. It took visiting. me five. It took me five years of uh, to do this book three year two years of uh, planning and uh, three years of thousand miles of traveling with the car throughout Iran which was it was haunting (laughs) politically and logistically and emotionally it's very scary but I loved it. <laughs> well, we definitely want to hear more about that experience in just a minute. But before we do, we want to rewind the clock a little bit. Can you share with us a little bit about your food journey? What was it like growing up in Iran and then moving to the United States when you were 18? Yeah, I always loved cooking and I wanted to become a cook. But uh, my mother encouraged me to go to university because she didn't go to university, you know, the old tradition. I'm going back to, my mother died 10 years ago when she was 85, so um, 100 years ago. So education was very important for her, and she loved literature. She, she, she had a tutor after getting married, and she recited poetry. She insulted me with poetry, she admired me with poetry. She encouraged me with poetry. Let me tell you that poetry is very important in Iranian culture. Even sweeper in the bazaar can recite poetry. Mm. So uh, I grew up with a very disciplined woman, very hard-working woman, and our household was like a 
big giant kitchen. We cooked seasonally because you have to make it, for example, canning the tomato in summer seasoned, sour cherries, figs jams, and quince jams. These was the three jams in our household, which we served it during the breakfast with a piece of barbary bread. It's a thick bread. It's very like focaccia. Uh, hot every you know every day you go to the, the bread uh, boulanger or we say that bakery here bakery, yeah. and then um, it's very much like France you get the, your bread every morning in Iran is the same they every neighborhood they have their own bakery and then you piece of barbary bread with that butter and quince jam and nice hot glass of tea uh, for breakfast. It's very simple, but so delicious. Mm. Actually, when I wrote my first cookbook, Food of Life, I wanted to share, it was, was a sort of was a love letter to my children. I wanted to share with them all the good things that I have experienced, the breakfast, the gathering. Uh, every Friday, we had a family gathering. 25 people come for noodle soup. So everything was made from scratch. I have the memory of my mother making noodle with three other women and from scratch. And this huge pot of uh, noodle soup was made on open fire in the middle of the garden. So it was huge. And, um, and they served it with garlic, mint, garnish, and a cash. Uh, which is fermented buttermilk, or when you so as a sour agent. So uh, these memories inspire me to to write cookbook. When I was all alone, separated from Iran, in south of France, we were refugees in France. So that these are uh, these memories, and then nostalgia. And I wanted to connect with my root. So the best way you connect with your root is through food. Mm-hmm. So I think that was the, one of the, uh, the reasons I start my cookbook, actually. And did you grow up cooking in the kitchen with your mom, or did you have to learn all those techniques and traditions when you were writing your first actually, cookbook? Actually, no. My, you know, cook, cooking in Iran at that time wasn't for kids it wasn't kid stuff big huge clevers cleavers for chopping the herbs big huge pots over the open fire everything made from scratch i remember we had a lady old lady we call it nana namaki the only thing she did she pounded the salt huge salt in the big huge um pester and um what do you call that mortar and pestle Mortar and pestle, huge, uh, made of a stone. So um, it was a kiddie stuff. But at the same time, my mother wanted us, you know, she wants me to go to university and get education. She said, concentrate on your education. And actually, I, when I was 18, I came to United States. After I received my master's degree in education, I returned to Iran and handed it to my mother, and she allowed me in her kitchen. So actually, I cook, start cooking seriously after college. I tell a lot of 
people is never is late. <laughs> so you can start it. I started because I loved it so much. I think um, when the revolution came about in 1979 with my husband, we were refugees in France. So we were in sort of France, a small village once. So the aroma, the open market, the crooked street, uh, the, 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 the aroma of the flowers, herbs, made me to be honest with myself and follow my passions. So I start cooking seriously in France. I took some cooking classes in French, French uh, cooking classes. Then I realized that my neighbor makes best ratatouille. So I start learning from my neighbors. And um, my first, and then she, after I had 50, 60 recipes, she told me that I should do a cookbook. And she find me a publisher so my first cookbook actually was Ma Cuisine d'Iran, uh, which a French publisher published it, Grand Cher. So that was my first cookbook. And then when I received the first copy in my hand, I said, this is what I wanted to do for, in my life. Mm-hmm. And especially when I received the first royalty, I said, this is exactly <laughs> what I want. I can live my life at the same time follow my passion and do that mm-hmm. yeah uh, that that's beautiful and I feel like you have combined your passions of food but also teaching too because uh, maybe you're not teaching um, English or literature or whatnot but you're you're teaching so many people how to cook uh, through your books and through your classes and all that you do yes I think I love when I received the master degree in education, I never thought I did. I love to teach. You know why? Why? <laughs> because you empower people. Mm-hmm. You teaching people, you make them independent. And I love to empower. I think writing book, and I love to share, mm-hmm. sharing your secrets, uh, which is very in Iranian tradition, or maybe perhaps in ancient traditions, because in China I noticed it's not tradition you share your talent because keeping your talent is sort of is a power game mm-hmm. Be, you know and so I that's why we didn't have so much we didn't have any cookbooks really because people they didn't want to share their their talent so they didn't want to give away their power sort of so I uh, want to empower people first of all especially young um, young people. I'm so happy, second generation Iranian, they're using my book, they start cooking. Even though second generation Iranian went to cooking school in America or in France or in England, they study four years French discipline. Then it's when they realize that I have a cookbook there, now they start experimenting Persian food and they email me and, and they're very grateful. I share all the knowledge with it. So I think that's one of the reasons I get, I get high when I <laughs> yeah. teach cooking. <laughs> Definitely. And I mean, it's such an important thing to teach other people how to cook, not just so that they can prepare a delicious meal, but truly understand another culture, another people, you know, better than 
through reading the newspaper or, That's you know, true. hearing things uh, when they experience the cuisine and understand yeah. the history. It's exactly, Ariel. I feel that way because my, all my cookbooks is not just a bunch of recipe. I write it down. I want to tell you about the culture because I think a lot of uh, political things happening in this world is lack of education and knowledge. We don't know about each other. I think we have more commonality than differences. Mm-hmm. If we know more about each other, we'll accept each other and we love each other rather than being annoyed with each other. And uh, differences should not scare us. If we have a knowledge, then bring us together. So I think that's important. In all my cookbooks, I'll talk about culture every, every page. That's certainly what we have loved from your cookbooks. And I have to say that one of the highlights of our year last year was Arielle and I got to cook with Najmieh in her kitchen in Georgetown. And it was such a special experience learning about all the ingredients and truly like tasting one of the best dates that I have ever had. It was a fresh orange date. It tasted like caramel and vanilla (laughs) and it was so delicious from Iran. Um, So tell us about some of the products and ingredients that you love that you're inspired by in Iran and also what you want our community to know about Persian food. I think, uh, you know, uh, what's happening these days, all the youth, they like to go to farmer market and cook. When I went to California, I noticed (laughs) my boys, my children, they go to the farmer market during the weekends and they come and they cook with their friends and get together. And uh, Iranians tradition been like that for a thousand years. There is a daily market. You get up in the morning, you go to daily market, you get what is seasonal available, you come home, you cook. So Persian food is seasonal. And we use a lot of uh, braise, slow-cooked braise. Of course, Persian rice is the best because is long, separated, aromatic with saffron, flavor, rose water. I, you know, we have two kinds of rice. Like one is plain rice, which is uh, you make golden crust, and then tadik, which a lot of people love it. And then we have rice flavored with like favo beans and dill rice, uh, or rice with barberries, candied orange peels, and uh, carrots, which is my favorite rice. They call it jewel rice. And then um, we have rice cooked with lentil dates. I bet you like dates too. And, uh, you you know, you cook the the lentil and then um, make a lot of caramelized onion and use some of my advier, which is cardamom, cinnamon, rose petal on it. And then um, we use brown butter, which is clarified butter. And, and then uh, date and raisins, fry onions and rice. Oh, that is heavenly. <laughs> and it's actually one of the cheapest, cheapest, because you, buy, you can buy lentil and rice, date and raisin, that's all. And if you want, you can put some nuts on the top. That's the best vegetarian dish with a green salad 
good, good to go. Mm. So uh, we have a lot of uh, braises, which we made that day was yogurt. Remember that you we made yogurt uh, braise. We cooked the chicken uh, with saffron and rose water and candied orange peel, and then we beat the yogurt with almond and raisin in the food processor for five minutes. Do you know why we beat the yogurt? If you remember. That's prevent yogurt to curdle when you cook them. Then we add it to the chicken. So that's a famous uh, yogurt choresh from Isfahan, in, you know, which is a very famous city in Iran. Um, so Iranian food, you don't need a lot of meat. You can, with one pound of chicken or fish or beef, which I use mostly lamb, and you can feed six people because you used other vegetables, fruits, uh, a lot of nuts. Iranian been using nuts since thousand years ago, almonds, which is good for you. Less people have allergy towards almond. This is one of those good nuts. And, and in Iranian, they've been using nuts as a thickening agent too. They don't use flour as a tickling agent. So not like pistachio. Grinding, you know. grinding it up and adding it to yes, the Yes, yes, as a tickling agent, that's yes, right. right. So um, a lot of, we use a lot of, uh, some of my friends, they call it, you're like a rabbit. We use herbs platter on the table, raw herbs platter on the table. And then, and then also we cook a lot of vegetable in our meal, like celery, cardon, favo. So um, uh, Iranian uh, dishes, I think, corresponds with what's going on with the trend. And uh, less meat, more vegetable. Mm-hmm. I think rice is better than for you than corn because I remember when we were in France, they said don't give dogs. When the dog, our dogs got sick, we gave them rice. So rice is, is in ancient culture and for old people and for the babies, they gave them rice pudding. So rice is, has a, a lot of healing uh, properties. So it's very good. The basic of Persian food is rice. Of course, before 17th century, Iranian were not rice eaters. Rice originally traveled from China, five, about, we have, it goes back very, we, about 5,000 years ago. So um, rice was disciple of Chinese food, traveled through Silk Road, and became popular about 17th century in Iranian cooking. Before Iranian dumpling and noodle was very popular, bulgur, Dumpling and noodle was the staple of Iranian dish before 17th century. But uh, around 7th century, in Safavi's period, when Iranian learned how to make elaborate rice dishes, then their love for rice stayed forever. <laughs> Transcended all uh, yes, others. Exactly. And a lot of the spices also came through the Silk Road from China as well, right? No, no, actually, a lot of spices originated in Iran. In, there are uh, some spices, I can tell you, like peaches, the fruit of peaches, originated in China. Mm-hmm. But a lot of countries, 
they call it, they think it's from Persia because it's distributed mm. by Persian. When Arab came to Iran, they, what they did, they were nomad. What they did in seventh century, they took fruits and spices from Iran to all over the world. For example, saffron is Persian, originated in Persia, but Arab took it to Spain. Uh-huh. And um, peaches also was one of the things from China through Silk Road came to Iran, but distributed from Iran. A lot of country, they call it peach, peach, pash, means it comes from Persia. So, uh, uh, but some of the, for example, oranges was bitter orange or wild orange or sour orange was originated in uh, between Turkey, India, and Iran. There is a region there. Went to China several thousand years ago. And in China, they were very good in cultivation. They cultivated, they made the orange that we have now. And the Portuguese brought orange to Iran, Turkey, and Greek. They all call it Portugal, means it comes from by the Portuguese. So uh, it's so interesting how food travels. I love that the stories of how food travels. Actually, if the cumin, cilantro, uh, carrots, we have a, caraways. These are all originated these spices. A lot of spices originated in Iran and traveled to China. Uh, to China or otherwise. There's a lot of traffic right. coming in, you know, going from China to Italy. Iran was in the center, it was entrepot. So a lot, some, some uh, spices, fruits originated in Iran, some of them were distributed from Iran. So that's, that's fascinating. It is fascinating. There's so much <laughs> interacting and so much that's being moved across yes. the world. Yeah. So with your new book, Cooking in Iran, uh, tell us about how it's different than your previous books. First of all, I try not to, to repeat myself. So uh, unless some recipe was different, I include this. So these recipes, if you have that book, that Cooking Iran is complementary to the, the other. If you have food of life, this is complementary yeah. to this. First of all, the, this is a regional cooking. Every region have their, uh, you know, Iran is uh, separated by plateaus and high mountain ranges running from north to south east to west. As a result, every region, they have their own climates and their own vegetations, which was fascinating for me because of differences. They have different ingredients and they have their own food culture, which was fascinating for me. In northern Iran, they celebrate garlic festival. Everything's with garlic. In southern Iran, they celebrate dates, dates, trees, all over, and they, they have a festival, and they have such a respect for dates. They have even funeral for dates. They treat date as a person. They, and this woman, she was telling me this, during the spring, date female 
fell in love with Dates Mayer. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was fantastic. Uh, so, uh, and then in the center, we have pomegranates. Pomegranate Festival, Pistachio from Kerman, which in this book, we visited every region. And in Mashhad, in Khorasan, north, uh, northeast of Iran, this uh, saffron, barberries. So I visited all this harvest, and I tell you a little bit about it. So, and in Tabriz, oh, they have the best uh, meatballs. In northern Iran, I had the best cuckoo, which is a, a, a Ital- like Italian frittata. It's omelets, they make it. And um, they are so good, and there is a reference of cuckoo thousand years there. So every region, they, ha- they have their own food culture. And one of the things I realized was fascinating to me, they didn't know about each other. <laughs> For example, there is a cheese ball, in Tabriz, they call it doimaj. In Hamadan, in other side of Iran, they call it uti. But these people, they didn't know. They have the same thing but different names. So that was fascinating for me. I receive a lot of email. They tell me that, Najmiye, thank you for giving us the same attention that you give to Tehranis. You know, Tehranis like New Yorkers. They look down on the rest of the country. <laughs> So in this book, I try to be fair. I give attention to every region. And I have to tell you that I'm from Tehran. Tehran doesn't have that much of culture. The culture is in the countryside, in the small villages. And as you see, the culture is not in New York. New York is very cosmopolitan. The culture, in, you, when you go to Oklahoma, in southern Iran, you see more tradition and culture. Uh, every region of America, you, when you go, is so different from right. New York. So it's the same thing. So real culture is in Kerman, in Yaz, in Esfahan, in Shiraz. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and I loved it. I had this opportunity to cook with the local cooks to taste, to, 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 to get the feeling of, of what they're going through, especially middle class or humble, the, the cla- people with the humble background. They, they didn't have much to share, but they had a large heart. Yes. Iranian hospitality is fascinating. I love the way... They treat their guests. I love the way they gave everything they have in order to make you a total stranger. I was total stranger to them, uh, happy. And, 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 and uh, I, I, I was very lucky to have this opportunity to get to know especially women of Iran. Um, I met women of Iran uh, uh, everywhere. In the field of rice, rice patties, saffron picking, barberry picking, which are the, all the photos there. I met women of Iran at the university. You know that we have more, more women at the university than men in Iran. Uh, Tehrani women are tough cookie. <laughs> I love them. They are fighters. On the street, you see that. And um, 
and then the women of uh, other part of Iran, they are so tolerant, hard worker. They are uh, kind, quiet. I think the backbone of our country or backbone of Iran is their women. Perhaps we could say everywhere. Right? Yeah, I think you could. <laughs> well, and <laughs> it seems like such a, an amazing opportunity to be able to travel throughout Iran and learn all these different food cultures. And I think, I think a lot of us understand and know about Nowruz, which is the springtime celebration of the harvest. And what I've loved about June and some of your other cookbooks is really learning about the connection of nature in Persian food. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, Especially no, what you said about the date tree. It just like reminded me of how connected Persian food is to nature. That's true. You know, we are very in tune culture with nature. Actually, every month has their own celebration, has their own name. And the autumn festival we have, we have winter festival, we have spring festival, we have summer festival, which all associate with certain food, which in food of life, I really write about it. Um, Noruz is a celebration of earth. It's a celebration of spring. Uh, has nothing to do with religion. Everyone can enjoy it no matter where they are and where they come from. Uh, during the Noruz, there is certain food associated with Noruz. Uh, I call it green tables. Everything they Noruz, they make it, they make it represent fertility, rebirth, renewal. And um, Nowruz and St. Patrick's, very close. Actually, they said the, the, the Uncle Nowruz and St. Patrick's, was, perhaps they were the same, because it goes back a thousand years. Um, so, uh, and, and we have Autumn Festival, which is Mehregan, they call it. Also, it's during the harvest. I think perhaps Thanksgiving tradition perhaps inspired by this old tradition. The harvest, people, they get together and pray, thanking God. And we have summer festival, which is a water festival. People sprinkle water towards each other and celebrate water. So water also is a cleanser, has a cleanser power. And, um, and winter festival, which is, we celebrate the birth of the sun. And it's interesting, uh, Winter Festival uh, is corresponds with Christmas. So there is a lot of similarity between Shabe Yalda, which birth of the sun, and Christmas. Hmm. They stay up all night. There's a lot of lights. They have a special food. There is a lot of family gatherings. And so that is fascinating. So all these ancient, all these uh, young country, like America is young country. Yeah, when I went to China, I was doing research for my cookbook, Silk Road Cooking. Uh, I bought a Buddha and, and I was 300 years old. I asked, would I get in trouble in custom? He said, no, 300 years old. For Chinese, not antique. <laughs> so this, all this ancient culture, uh, they uh, really, uh, ins I think, inspired this young culture. Mm -hmm. And 
So a lot of things come from this ancient culture. Uh, And you can learn so much about what you're sharing with us today in your different cookbooks and these you make all of these connections between culture agriculture um and nature history history and beyond um and we want to ask you about your favorite recipe to cook and why because you spent so much time sharing with us um about kind of the broad picture of Iranian cuisine um but let's like drill into it like what is your favorite recipe first of all your attitude towards cooking is very important when you uh, when you have a guest prepare and use fresh ingredients don't use anything frozen go to the market get fresh ingredient make it simple you have to be relaxed and prepared so when you're relaxed, you're prepared, you transfer that energy to your guests. Um, you shouldn't make big fuss about it. Try a recipe that you already tested. <laughs> Don't do it for the first time. Mm-hmm. Use good ingredients. And you, my recipe is a roadmap. You, take, you make once. If you, if you like it, you can test it for your other for your friends when you invite them. So my, uh, if I have a good ingredients, I, lo- um, I love fish. I have a recipe in, from the southern Iran. They call, it's a spicy fish cooked in date juice. Mm. Serve it over plain rice. In this book, I love that recipe because it's sim- it takes 15 minutes to make it. And you can cook Rice in the rice cooker, which if you don't have it, you should get it. Iranian rice cooker, because you, they, they give you golden crust without any problem. So you don't have, you just put rice, water, oil, and a little bit cardamom and spices if you want. Cover it and allow it to cook. After 60 minutes, you have golden crust rice. So delicious. The recipe is in the book. And then you make this date rice, spicy fish, any kind of fish. You dust it with the spice, it, you sear it, then you add uh, date juice, mm-hmm. which you make it, or you can you add fresh dates and then some lime, lemon, or vinegar. Cover it and let it cook for 10 minutes. That's it. And you serve a green salad, Beautiful. Good to Delicious. go. Delicious. The How do you make your own date juice? Yes, it's very easy. You can make your date juice. You soak. In Iran, they make it, they have date molasses and date juice. When you pick the date, they stack it on each, over each other. And the, and the date, the juice start coming and they gather the juice that's very original very difficult and la- uh, labor intense which is the best they use this with tahini they make halva the, and also I had date uh, rice cooked in date juice which my host made it was lovely you can serve that with roasted chicken fish or anything you want to she used that but there is a date molasses you can buy it in any Iranian store uh, they call shire angur, shire. I'm sorry, shire date, shire khurma, 
است انگور گریت شیره خورما دیت مولاسس بات این هیر یو کین سوک یور دیت اوور نایت آی پوت آی بویل واتر آی پوت واتر اوور دی دیت آی کور ایت این الاو تو رست نیکست مورنگ یو کین پاس ایت تری کالندر یو هف دیت جوس اور and don't throw away the dates leave there i i press it and i use it for other things mm-hmm. or you can just uh put the date with a little bit water in the food processor that's fantastic also you can overnight you don't have to do it overnight so this voila. is a, voila you can have that juice <laughs> and a great place um to get a lot of the ingredients in your books i remember that after the first cooking class i went to yekta, yekta market yeah i like yekta in uh, i like yekta in um rock uh, rockville which is outside they have a, next door they have a restaurant uh, they're friendly and uh, and i like also Uh, Yas in Vienna. Mm-hmm. Also, there's a very mm, nice store, small store. Uh, they have uh, good ingredients, yeah. lovely people. And so seek out a Persian market wherever you live because you'll be able to get uh, not only the spices, but uh, they also have, you know, beautiful fresh vegetables that's and the true. barberies yes, and the, true. you know, grape. Yes, Molasses, they have the fresh almonds during, the, you can make a fantastic, cook fresh almond with chicken during the springtime. They have fresh almond. They have wild orange or sour orange, which you cannot find every, during the springtime. Sweet lemon, lemushirin also, it's lovely. Uh, so, yes, every Iranian market you get get. It's, it's an, I think it's an adventure. Go to Iranian market, check around and mm-hmm. just smell it and the aroma, the spices. It's a different world. Get to know the people, their food. You will find out there are lovely people. Definitely. So with government are different from the people. Definitely. We know that very well. Yes, yes, of course. <laughs> So we're almost done here, sadly, um, but we wanted to end on the question of what is your favorite food memory? And maybe you can pick one or you can share two, uh, but you know, you've lived all over the world, you've traveled all over the world, you've cooked with you know, amazing celebrities, chefs, politicians, um, and so- No, I didn't cook with politicians. Well, you cooked For. I cooked for yeah I cooked for I cooked uh, at the White House for Michelle Obama during Nowruz I cooked Nowruz dinner which was loveliest experience you know why because the two the executive chef was women and the pastry chef was women I love this pastry chef such a lovely woman and with cooking with three women a large meal for 800 people was very challenging and and, and 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 I love that memory I learned a lot I inspired by this accomplished women they were very low-key kind and uh, they, I was as a guest chef 
they were very accommodating mm -hmm. to me. And I cherish that memory very much. Mm -hmm. Because when you're a guest chef, it's very difficult. Uh, when people make things easy for you, it's really lovely. And I had this wonderful experience. Definite spirit of collaboration. Yes. And what about outside of that experience? Are there other food memories that jump out at you that you hold dear? Yes. Actually, in Tabriz, my host, she had a small backyard, not more than a small room, and a small kitchen. And she came from a humble background. Uh, when we went to Tabriz, my guide was a university student, and he wants to take me to this chic hotel, four-star hotel. She wants to show me the progress in Iran. I said, no, I'm not interested. Hotel food all over the world is the same. <laughs> I am interested in your grandma's house and food and cook. And he took me to his grandma, and which was a small backyard with a small kitchen and they had to spread a Persian carpet on the uh, uh, in the in, on the 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 floor the deck on the brick on the brick bricks yard and uh, and then we cooked five six meals and then we they spread a Persian carpet and Persian sofre, which is spread, and then lay out all this meal we cook together. And the whole day they invite their daughter, grandchild, grandchildren, everyone was there, the whole aunt, uncle, they all came one by one, and they, we ate together, we shared this lovely meal which I never forget because their love and their hospitality was part of this meal. I think when you serve with love, I think, then everything will be okay. <laughs> you can feel it, absolutely. And you can see a picture of that memory in yes, this Yes, yeah, you have the picture. Cooking in the, Iran. Yeah, actually it was... Under the fig trees, there was one fig trees. I, mean, I forgot that. They spread this carpet under the fig trees. The fig tree was like a shade. And they spread the sofre. Mm. So that was lovely experience. It's a beautiful spread, that photo. Um, great. Well, thank you so much, Najmie. There's so much more we wanted to talk to you about. <laughs> and I know that we could spend hours more talking to you. Maybe next time we can talk more about your food experiences and uh, the regionality of Iranian food and even your love for music, which we didn't get to talk about. But when Ariel and I got to cook with you, the, one of the best things about being in your kitchen is the fact that there was wonderful music blasting throughout the home, and it was just so yes. so much fun to uh, yeah. be with you. I um, think music is important. Music, food, it all goes one hand in hand. Yes, a meal a meal at your house or cooking at your house includes, of course, food, but as you're saying, mu music, and then. I remember, too, ending certain meals, reading, reciting poetry. Yes, my husband, I recite poetry in my cooking classes. Now I'm going to have an event in Seattle, actually, 
which I will do book signing uh, at the bookstore and also Iranian festival will be June 22nd, I guess. And uh, then I'm going to go to Vancouver also. They're going to, I'm, uh, this chapter of my life, I want to go travel to different city around the country. So see my fans. Yes. <laughs> you know, in the, and then the cook, them in cooking schools and no, not not in my kitchen anymore. Well, <laughs> my kitchen is closed. <laughs> well, speaking of your fans, can you tell our audience where they can find you and where they can come and see you at some of these events? Actually, yes. Um, um, in Seattle, June 22nd, I will be there. We'll do... Um, I'll do book signing, and I will do... Uh, I'm a judge of cooking. There are a lot of Iranians there. And, uh, and I will be cooking for fundraising benefit, five-course dinner, fundraising benefit of the festival, so they can come. In Vancouver also, I'm cooking, and um, we can put more detail on your site because I don't remember exactly the address and yeah. everything. You can go to mm. najmieh.com, yes. sign up for your listserv, your email yes. newsletter, yes, and also follow you on Instagram at najmieh. Yeah, and July I'll be in L.A. also to visit my sons. Yeah. And then, yeah, I'm planning to do some demonstration and teaching cooking and and, and book signing, wherever I can teach cooking and do book signing, I'm there. Yes. <laughs> Stay tuned. Uh, love it. And Najmi, thank you for joining us. Thank, thank you, you for all of your gifts and um, all that we have learned from you and are inspired by. So it's it so lovely to see you guys. And, 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 and I want to thank you because you guys came to my kitchen and test some recipes Ariel especially you and uh, I am so grateful you taste the food uh, you had taste of culture and um, that's why I want to give these books perhaps I should put it write the, your names both of them in this book yeah what would, do you think we would love that um it Signed is a book for you. to go into our collection we also have food of life in june which we use uh so use often june, i yes. love june i love yes, june. june i i make a cuckoo probably at least once a month oh lovely and it's one of my it's this omelet dish that najmi referenced earlier in the show but fresh herb with cuckoo. all the herbs fresh herb cuckoo from food of life or june Both yeah of them, they yeah. have recipe exactly june is the small is is it 50 recipes that i cook in my kitchen for example i make quinoa with saffron and cardamom i make uh, tabbouli with a special herbs I make hummus with kale, yeah, which is wonderful. You have a, your vegetable, and it's perfect meal for vegetarian. Um, and then I teach you how to make roasted chicken, how to make a simple uh, soup, chicken soup with with uh, uh, turmeric because mm -hmm. it's wonderful. Um, so I think you should every person should have ten. Ten recipe knows about how to make good soup, roasted chicken, how to make one recipe of kebab, 
one simple rice. Yeah. You're good to go. It's <laughs> a great. It's very good entryway into Persian food. So June is good for uh, and food of life, of course. Yes, food of life well, is the classic. Uh, so thank you, Najmieh. Thank you for having me. Hopefully mm-hmm. one day we can go with you to Iran. That would be yes. a dream. That's my dream, to create a food culinary, culinary tour and, and take all the chefs and foodies with me to Iran so they can taste the food, they can get to know the people, yeah. and see the scenery, the aroma of the place. Sign us up. All right. Well, on that note, we thank you for listening in today and definitely check out all of Najmi's books, including Cooking in Iran, which is her newest book. And uh, connect with us here at Pineapple. Uh, please leave us a review um, on this podcast. We'll read it out in our next episode. If you leave us a shout out, uh, send us a DM on Instagram and email hello at pineapplecollaborative.com. And we hope to see you at one of our future events uh, in DC, New York, SF, and LA. And thank you again for, for being part of this. <laughs>